Hello on this dark and stormy night where we are on episode 3 of season 2 where we will continue to explore 80s films and today's episode is all about the 1986 cult classic Big Trouble in Little China directed by John Carpenter and starring his regular collaborator in Kurt Russell and starring Kim Cattrall, Dennis Dunn and James Hong. This film marks the penultimate partnership between John Carpenter and Kurt Russell, and it's very hard to decide if this is my favourite movie or if The Thing is. I mean, they're both two completely different movies, so it's really hard to compare, and Kurt Russell plays complete opposites in these movies as well. I mean, this is like John Carpenter's 10th or 11th film, and it's shocking to think that because this film is nothing like any of his others. I mean, it's like he was taking a break and just thought, I'm going to have some fun here. So, by the way, if you haven't seen this film, you're going to have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, it's a really uh, it's good old fun, this movie. So, Kurt Russell and John Carpenter, I mean, they first collaborated first in a TV movie about Elvis Presley. It was called Elvis back in 1979. And then, in the 80s, they introduced the world to the character of Snake Plissken onto the big screen with Escape from L.A. And he's such a cool character. He's the guy with the eye patch. And Kurt Russell, just oh, total badass in that movie. And then the year after that, they made uh, the classic remake of The Thing, which I haven't decided yet if I'm going to do a podcast on this week in line with 80s movies or wait until I do horrors in October. But yeah, anyways, we'll think about that. And, of, and then, of course, Big Trouble Little China came out in 86. And then I think their fifth and final film was in 1996, which was the sequel to Escape from L.A., uh, which was Escape from New York. And that was um, that was all right, that film. But yeah, I'm surprised I haven't done anything since. So, I mean, these two were a really strong partnership, and it came down to more of a personal friendship than money when doing movies, so more evidently in this movie as well. So when signing on for Big Trouble Little China, Kurt Russell even asked John Carpenter, are you sure you want me in this movie of Jack Burton? I mean, the character. I do reckon I can do Jack Burton because, you know, my last few films have bombed at the box office. I think he just came off doing The Best of Times, uh, which is a film with Robin Williams. And then before that, there was a film called The Mean Season, which I actually quite like. It's sort of this like serial killer-esque movie. And both films didn't even make their budget back. So it wasn't a good couple of films for Kurt Russell because his last two films just bombed. But John Carpenter, he just said, look, I don't really care about that, Kurt. You know, I just want to work with you again. And they had this sort of swagger about their partnership in Hollywood, which would sort of later resonate into other partnerships later in Hollywood, like uh, Quentin Tarantino and Samuel L. Jackson and, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan and Michael Caine. So, you know, Kurt Russell and John Carpenter sort of established this coolness about partnership between actors and directors. And with all that being said, even with this sort of sentimental reasoning behind casting Kurt Russell, it still remained to do nothing for this film, financially speaking, as this film also bombed at the box office, but it had nothing really to do with Kurt Russell. I mean, Kurt Russell was actually one of the main reasons why this film is really good, and I love this movie. The studio had a massive part to play of why this movie didn't succeed at the box office. Initially, uh, everyone, including the studio, agreed this movie was going to be really, you know, successful. I mean, in a way, and they were right, but not financially to the studio. Like, when showing test audiences, they responded really well. They loved it. You know, they were laughing. They didn't know what to expect. It was, you know, it was a really good roller coaster ride. And the reviews were, you know, piling in. And then the mainly, they were quite good. They were really, you know, positive about the movie. But once it was released, you know, it was another story. And part of this was due to, I think, James Cameron's uh, Aliens, the sequel to Ridley Scott's uh, Alien 
was coming out 15 days later and the hype Aliens was getting was clearly whitewashing any attention Big Trouble Little China was trying to give. And that just sort of demolished any talk of Big Trouble Little China. And speaking of that, that was another reason why it didn't do so well, because the studio just didn't have a clue on how to promote this movie. They didn't, they didn't put much work onto distribution or advertisement. They, I mean, this film is a fantasy martial arts action comedy. It's really extreme. It's, it, I had no idea, you know, how would you market this movie? You know, although it was a box office failure, this film, much like Shawshank Redemption, became an instant cult classic once it was released onto video, because... You know, it's becoming known as maybe one of their best films together. And I think yeah, it's, it's tough. Between that, this movie and The Thing, I don't know. They're both very different movies, but, I mean, it's up there. I mean, for me, Kurt Russell's best films are the ones he's done with John Carpenter. But this just turned out to be one of the hidden gems of the 80. I mean, it's rated 85% or 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is higher than some blockbuster hits. So... What is this film about? What story could possibly give studios a hard time promoting? Well, if you haven't seen it, you you might not have an idea why. If you have seen it, you might have a really good idea why. I mean, <laughs> so the film tells the story of this trucker, Jack Burton, who is this very Americanized, you know, cocky, confident and completely incompetent guy who sort of kills some time in Chinatown with some friends while he's doing some uh, routine delivery there. And he wins a bet, but his friend, uh, Wang, doesn't have any cash on him. And he says, look, I need to go pick up my fiancé first, but, you know, um, from the airport, but I'll grab you the money. So Jack, me and Jack, says, look, I don't believe you. Let me give you a lift so you don't pull a fast one on me. But instead, you know, they get, they get involved in this sort of kidnapping of his friend's fiancé. And by the way, who has green eyes, which is really relevant, from an ancient sorcerer from, you know, where they managed to follow the, uh, you know, this sorcerer and the gang back down to the underworld of Chinatown, where they get involved in this supernatural battle with this evil sorcerer, David Lopan, who has to marry a, a woman of green eyes to rid this ancient curse. I mean, <laughs> I know what you're thinking. I mean, for those who haven't watched it, you're like, you, what the hell are you talking about? Is this really the storyline for it? Are you for real? I mean, what this movie is, it, I mean, but believe me, don't let this crazy wild story fool you. This film is a charming roller coaster ride, which is just good, clean, old fun. It's 90 minutes that will fly by. It's jam-packed with action, comedy, pure 80s nostalgia. It's just a a refreshing movie made, you know, it was made amongst all of the seriousness of the uh, Alien films, the Terminator films, you know, all these other action films that was kind of taking themselves a bit too seriously. You know, Jack Burton, played by Kurt Russell, plays this sort of action hero at first glance, you know, built in a very American talks like John Wayne, you know, in fact, which is quite funny because this film in, originally was considered to be a Western, but they, then they changed it to a more modern setting with the backdrop of Chinatown. In the Western version, I think it wasn't his beloved Pork Chop Express, which gets stolen, which is his truck, by the way. In the Western version, of course, it's his horse. But yeah, you, you assume from the posters and the presumption of Kurt Russell's build and persona and charm, he's going to be he's, he's going to be acting as the action hero here. But that's completely far from the truth. I think in an interview with John Carpenter, it was recently actually, I think it was like 2015, he says that Jack Burton thinks he's the hero and acts like the hero, but he's honestly the sidekick here. Wang being the true hero in this movie, with Jack Burton just being there for the adventure. This is sort of like the, I don't know if you've watched it before, it was on Cartoon Network. Do you remember Hong Kong Fui? You know, he's this cartoon detective and he has a sidekick called Spot. And, you know, he's less appealing, smaller, in the shadows. And he's more, it's more evident because of how confident and cocky Hong Kong Fui is. 
And basically, Hong Kong Fui is incompetent and Spot's always there to sort of save the day in sort of a quiet manner. And he always covers the, you know, the mistakes of Hong Kong Fui, which is exactly what this relationship here is in Jack Burton and Wang. I mean, the sort of, you know, backwards hero psychic relationship is quite popular now. I mean, they did it in parts of the Green Lantern and, of course, they did it in Johnny English as well. And it was John Carpenter's idea to sort of inverse this action hero psychic role where usually you have a Caucasian hero with a minority psychic. And much to the distaste of the studio, they didn't agree with John Carpenter doing this. And obviously they did this recently in that in that decade with um, Indiana Jones and uh, the Temple of Doom. And, you know, they do this all over the, all the time and they still do it. And obviously this, you know, this just came out amongst other classics. I mean, the true hero here is Wang. I mean, the minority who essentially does all the heavy lifting where Jack Burton is almost there as a comical relief with his one-liners and his eye candy with his like incredible mullet that's going on here. But the studio sort of changed their mind when they saw that Jack Burton was very much still the main character and he was offering a lot of the movie in terms of um, comedy and appeal for a certain demographic. And although he shows bravery, you know, going on the quest in the movie, he offers almost next to nothing with being a reliable action hero. And it's somewhat mainly in the backdrop of the heavy scenes where Wang and Gracie Law are the ones pushing through the obstacles. I mean, like I said, the studio really had some problems with this movie um, when John Carpenter sort of pitched the idea. Um, and, you know, the, it was in the 80s and um, they didn't have a, they had a real big problem with, um, you know, sort of the main hero being the Asian guy as opposed to Kurt Russell, this John Wayne exterior presence. And what they did was they introduced this scene right at the start of the movie. This is what the studio was like back then. Um, so John Carpenter didn't want this, but they were like, no, the studio were like, no, we need to add this scene to, so, to show that Jack Burton is sort of a hero. And what they did is the scene right at the start of the movie, which basically bigs up Jack Burton by going, oh, leave Jack Burton alone. We are in his debt. And this creates the audience to understand that Jack is heroic and did something that was good. However, as we watch the film, we just see he's basically there as a psychic, you know, helping out any way he can, despite him just popping up in the background now and again. And this is part of the movie's charm. And I think it's Kurt is his performance. Kurt Russell's performance is this cocky trucker that really makes us adore jack burton and that and this whole ordeal he's going through in this like supernatural underworld of chinatown this was almost like a, a career first for jackie chan as well because um he, he he was going to play a really big role in this movie he was going to play the role of wang but he couldn't speak much uh, english at the time and Car john carpenter was a really big fan of john um jackie chan and he had his he had his mindset on him for the role of wang and after seeing the, um, the success of police story uh, by the way, if you haven't seen Police Story, that is Jackie Chan in his prime, especially the third one, Supercop, which I'm, gonna, I'm having a really hard time getting hold of in Blu-ray. But if you want to see Jackie Chan at his best, watch Supercop. It is unbelievable. The stunts, the fight scenes, it's ridiculous. But anyway, uh, but yeah, anyway, the studio uh, won the battle and Jackie Chan uh, wasn't cast just because he couldn't speak English too well. Um, but obviously he sort of made his break in um, the Rush Hour films. But what I love about this movie is that it's sort of a mess behind the scenes, but the actors and John Carpenter embraced it and it somehow became a cult classic. And on paper, Jack Burton is quite hateable as a person. I mean, he's constantly doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. He's hitting on Gracie Law at the worst time. He knocks himself out before the big fight. He's like a big liability in this environment. And yet... What was amazing was the appeal that Kurt Russell brings to him, and it really picked this character of Jack Burton up, and he's playing him exactly how they originally wanted, this Western cowboy hero who is actually but 
in, in, you know, he's incompetent, but it looks the part and sounds the part. I mean, this film was originally going to be in San Francisco in the 1890s, and the whole movie was going to be about Jack getting his horse back after it was stolen. So you can see the ridiculous transformation this movie got from where it started to where it ended. And um, they originally had like Clint Eastwood and Jack Nicholson lined up for the role, which would have been very interesting to see and even amusing to picture them play Jack Burton. But I assume at the time it was still a Western and that was why they were interested in those two actors. And this was a time when, um, you know, Clint Eastwood and Jack Nicholson were playing these macho roles and playing on the stereotypes, much like, you know, Sylvester Sloan was in, you know, Rambo had just come out. Arnold Schwarzenegger just played The Terminator. So these movies did all kinds of exploration in terms of action heroes with Kurt Russell, more specifically in Jack Burton. He doesn't get the girl in the end. He doesn't even kiss her. I mean, besides killing David Lopin at the end, I don't actually think he does anything heroic in the whole movie. He is out of his depths here, and he's the only one who doesn't know that. The hero here is, is, you know, the hero is Wang. He does get the girl back in the end. He fights to protect anyone. He's the one fighting through the obstacles. He's doing the heavy lifting. He's got the knowledge of what's going on in this underworld of Chinatown. And because of these like role reversals, I think this is this film has been you know sort of appreciated more so now in this climate because it was just a refreshing thing to have a change of scenery and a character structure in terms of generic stereotypes. I mean, Kurt Russell was overly optimistic when this film was going to be released, even citing that he had never experienced. Uh, the positivity at the press junket one person said to him at the press said what's it like to be in the biggest film of the year obviously when it came to time to market the film uh having big posters all over nothing happened and they only spent three million pounds which sounds a lot but it's not for advertising a hollywood production uh, of course the biggest movie that year was top gun which made like 150 million pounds more than big trouble i mean the film what the film sort of somewhat introduces kim cattrall into this big star of course we now know her from sex and city but before this she, she was known for like random comedy films like police academy i mean i heard she would leave the set every day at 4 30 and then go perform at broadway so she was insanely busy in the 80s little did you know her biggest career was yet to come in Sex and the City. I mean, the film for me outlines a time in the 80s where it wasn't taking itself too seriously and was using this original story to create something that had never been done before. I mean, Carpenter calls this a Western. I call it a comedy. Others would call this movie a, a martial arts movie. But what it did is build bridges with other cultures. This film is predominantly an Asian cast with like two or three Caucasian actors in this movie. And this was quite a risk to do in the 80s. But you have to remember, over in the Asian market, the Kung Fu era was really taking off. And America was really falling in love with this style of fighting. And that was part of what Carpenter was trying to do to introduce this to the style and culture of Hollywood. And another thing this is sort of perceived as negative, but in fact adds to the charm of the movie is in fact, most of the antagonists in the movies are, you know, unthinkably useless as Jack is. I mean, they hold no sort of structure to this film whatsoever. I mean, the lightning guy in Big Trouble Little China is like a major threat or seems like a major threat in the movie with his like supernatural Thor-like qualities. How he doesn't even do anything with his powers. And I think the guy actually dies or meets his demise by being buried in some rubble, which was quite funny and yet quite preventable as well. And then we meet this like weird Bigfoot kind of monster character who doesn't actually do anything but inflates and explodes, which is kind of a cool special effect back in those, you know, back in those days. And even the fight scenes at the start between the two rival gang was just a little messy, but it's almost hard not to watch it. And the more and more you watch this, it does become quite entertaining. It's just ridiculous at times. I just think the entire production was in a state. And John Carpenter was honestly just letting loose with this movie. But he must have known the vision was going to work because he, you know... 
he was really behind this production. He he was backing himself over the studios and over what everyone else was saying. And no one had done anything like this before. I, I read that not only was this in competition with um, James Cameron's Aliens, but they were in competition with Eddie Murphy's Golden Child, which was coming near near enough around about the same time. And it had sort of the same storyline, but both films ended up flopping anyways. I mean, I would love to have felt the vibe when this movie came out. It would have just been pure confusion and hysteria on what this film was trying to be, what it was trying to say. It's an incredible piece of art if you allow yourself to embrace the madness of this crazy world that John Carpenter has created. I mean, Kurt Russell, in a way, saves this movie. Without his charm brought to Jack Burton, I just don't think this film would have had the same cult following, you know, 30 years on. On paper... Jack Burton is pretty unlikable, but he's, he's, you know, he's courageous. But nonetheless, you know, the idiocy quality in Kurt Russell that he portrays so well in Jack Burton, I think is the real engine that powers this whole movie. And you have to remember, this was actually quite a smart move on Kurt's part, because just a few years before that, he was playing Snake Pliston. This is, you know, and he was this really cool, badass guy. He doesn't even say much like the Terminator or Rambo. And he pulled it off. He was so cool. So going from that to playing Jack Burton showed his depth as an actor. And he, was, he wasn't afraid to experiment with his abilities as an actor. And it kind of pushed his name further in Hollywood as well. I mean, to conclude with this movie, it's confusing to accept as a masterpiece. But the fact that it has stood the test of time and still delivers the same, if not more, charm tells us that maybe this nostalgia of the 80s has a real impact on us. The 80s delivers a time of simplicity. And not everything has to make sense. You know, we just have to accept this sort of hero in Jack Burton that takes us through this movie. As crazy as the backdrop is or the villains are or the generic, you know, the generic plot of the movie. I honestly think the reason, you know, this movie has survived the, you know, the test of time is because it's such a throwback to what was happening at the time. Martial arts was getting big. Special effects was on the rise. The costumes were considered cool. You know, the tight jeans, the empire vest, the mullet. You know, the, and the ridiculous story that sugarcoats itself in, its, in, in the character's charm, stupidity and ego. I mean, there is a reason why we love the 80s and it's because we're fascinated with what life was like. Or maybe because we can see how simple everything was and how it didn't sort of take itself so seriously with these high concept movies or even just movies that tried something new, something original, something bold. And something that would reach to the hearts of people now. So when we look back at it, we can go, wow, that was a really cool time. I mean, this film is just pretty cool to watch. But anyways, listen, just remember what old Jack Burton does when the movie breaks and the poison critics fall from the sky and the pillars of awards shake. Just remember, yeah, Jack Burton just looks that big old film right square in the eye and he says, give me your best shot, pal. This movie can take it. Anyway, that's all I have time for with Mr. Jack Burton and Big Trouble in Little China. If you want to see any updates on my upcoming podcast or just general film news, just follow my Instagram on Film Exploration, A-H-O, lowercase or one word. And thank you for listening to Film Exploration with Ash Hari.